This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network. Someone recently asked me why I had developed such an interest in the lives of the saints. Well, it actually started many years ago when I first learned of Padre Pio. I found the story of his life fascinating and read everything I could about him and his many charisms. And later I had the opportunity to visit San Giovanni Rotondo and meet with some of the friars and brothers who had actually lived with him. I was able to stand where he stood and even visit his room in the monastery. The point is, he, like other saints and holy people, were no longer names in a book or on a holy card. They were real people, not fictional characters, and what they accomplished with their lives was real, and in so many cases far more dramatic and worthwhile than from the pen of a best-selling author. Plus, all of them, every single one, showed us how we should live our lives. Well, our story today, well, it's not about a martyr, but a young boy, 14 years of age. He was a very close friend of God, and the reason we know so much about him was because another great saint, St. John Bosco to be exact, wrote down the story of this amazing boy's life that he might be an example for us on how we should live. Dominic Savio was born in a small village not too far from Turin, Italy, way back in 1842. Dominic's father, Charles, was a blacksmith, and his mother, Bridget, were both devout in their faith, bringing up their children to love and respect God. That's where it starts. When Dominic was born, he appeared so frail that Charles, fearing for his baby's life, immediately took him to the parish priest to be baptized. And as Dominic grew, his mother instructed him as best she could in matters of the faith. And because it was a small village, Dominic was able to be in altar service when he was just five years old. That's pretty young by our standards. And as he developed and grew, Dominic was always ready to help someone else. He never needed prompting. It was not unusual for his mother to give him a tasty treat or his father to give him a penny or two and see him hurrying outside to give his gift to someone hungry or or possibly in need. Dominic forever would speak of the day of his first communion by saying, I did not know whether I was in heaven or on earth. Pretty impressive for a seven-year-old when he made his first communion. He made, a, he made four promises on his own. He wrote in his little book, I will go to confession very often and communion as much as possible. I will keep the feast days holy. Jesus and Mary shall be my friends and death but not sin. By the time Dominic was eight years old, the family moved to another village not too far away. But there was a problem with schooling. The school was three miles away. Now again, at that time in history, children often gave up school to help in the fields. However, Dominic wanted to be a priest, and so it would be necessary for him to continue in school. Without complaining, he would walk the three miles to school and back every day, and sometimes twice a day. He would say, if I'm to become a priest, I have to go to school. And go to school he did, regardless of rain, snow, sleet, or 
freezing weather. He was now just ten years old, and one day as Dominic was walking home, he passed a boy he knew sitting on a fence, and the boy asked Dominic if he weren't afraid walking on the long, deserted road, to which Dominic replied, I suppose I would be if I had to travel alone on roads like these, but I don't travel alone. His friend seemed surprised and and asked, Not alone? How come? And Dominic answered, I have my guardian angel with me, and we talk over things together. Besides, it isn't too bad when you work for somebody who pays you so well. And the boy said, Someone who pays you? And Dominic said, Our blessed Lord. Dominic's father told of a strange story that it may have given credence to what Dominic had said. One evening, Dominic and his father were returning home from a fiesta that had been a taxing evening with all the festivities honoring a local saint. The trip was long, and Dominic's energy was waning to where he could hardly move his legs. And then a young man unexpectedly appeared at Dominic's side, and, without speaking a word, picked him up and carried him the rest of the way home while Dominic slept all the way. Reaching the house, the young man put Dominic down and disappeared. To his dying day, Dominic's father was convinced that it was his son's guardian angel. But that wasn't his only experience with what may have been his guardian angel. One day, Dominic and his sister, Romandina, were playing near a pond, They were running and scampering about when, for some reason, Remondina slipped and fell into the water, fully dressed, and and was thrashing around on the verge of drowning. Dominic jumped in, clothes and all. Well, all that clothing added to the weight and made a rescue even that much more difficult. But somehow Dominic was able to drag his sister to the edge of the pond. Returning home, as the two children recounted the story to their parents, they seemed amazed at Dominic's strength. Then Dominic explained, Oh no, it wasn't my strength. While I was pulling at one of her arms, my guardian angel appeared and he pulled her other arm. And that wasn't the end of unexplained visitors either. Years later, Dominic had been away and was on his way home for a rest, and when he arrived at Castel Nuovo, the drop-off point from Turin for his village, his letters to his parents advising them of his visit had been delayed, and, and consequently no one was there to meet him. Arriving home, his mother was appalled and asked, "'Did you have to come all the way from Castel Nuovo by yourself?' And Dominic answered, When I got down from the coach, I met a beautiful lady who was kind enough to accompany me and help me with my bag. Well, his mother asked him, Why didn't you invite her in to rest for a while? And Dominic said, I couldn't, Mommy. As soon as we reached the village, she disappeared. Well, a little later the family moved again, and Dominic's grades in school were, as usual, listed as as excellent. He was a very good student, and everyone recognized that. Now, Dominic's teacher was a good friend of the priest in Turin who made a point of helping and teaching the boys of the area. His name was John Bosco. 
or Don Bosco as he was known then. He met with Don Bosco and told him about this special student, this Dominic Savio, who would be, in his opinion, a great addition to Don Bosco's oratory, as it was called. Don Bosco was to write down the words of the priest, who said to him, You may have a number of excellent boys there, but I don't think you could possibly have any better one than Savio. Try him out and see if you don't have another St. Aloysius. Well, Don Bosco came and met with Dominic and his father, and in his conversation with Dominic, Don Bosco asked him if he would like to come to the oratory, and Dominic said yes. Don Bosco asked him what he would like to be when he finished his studies and mentioned that he didn't look too strong. Dominic answered that he would like to be a priest and that God would give him enough strength for the future. Well, Don Bosco smiled and gave Dominic a page to learn from a book called Catholic Readings, and they would discuss it the next day, he was told. Dominic took the book and left the room while Don Bosco spoke with, with the boy's father. When Don Bosco had finished his conversation with Charles Savio, Dominic returned and said, Excuse me, Father, but if you want to hear that lesson now. And Don Bosco said, Well, I meant for you to memorize it. And Dominic said, I already have. To which Don Bosco smiled and just replied, Then let's pray that you and I may do God's will. And so on October 29, 1854, after Mass and Communion, young Dominic Savio left for Turin and Don Bosco's oratory. Dominic was now just 12 years old. The oratory was a place for boys to learn not just religion, but possibly a trade, a place of goodness where some boys lived and, and where help was also provided in many different ways to the boys of Turin and the area. Dominic would live at the oratory, but receive his formal school training outside the oratory in Turin, which was a city of more than a 100,000 people during Dominic's time. Well, the boy's schooling would be under the supervision of a professor who recognized how special Dominic was by placing the most troublesome and annoying boys near him, because for some reason he knew that the boys would behave when they were near Dominic. 1854 was a special year in the church. Pope Pius IX had proclaimed the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, and the evening of that decree, Dominic knelt before a statue of the Mother of God and again pledged to her his motto, Death but not sin. Don Bosco wrote, From that moment began the exemplary kind of life, the exactness in performance of his duty, beyond which it is difficult to go. If he met someone who was behaving in a bad manner, Dominic would say, let's go to confession together. Usually the response would be, uh, yeah, sure, yeah, to which Dominic would say, great, I'll meet you Saturday. We'll go to confession and then play ball. And Saturday, well, he never failed to show up. After about six months at the oratory, Dominic heard a talk on sainthood, 
and his desire to be a saint grew even greater. He wrote in his notebook points that were important for him to remember, to live by. Number one, that God wills everyone to be a saint. Number two, that it is easy to be a saint. And number three, there is a great reward in heaven for those who wish to be saints. In his desire to become a saint, Dominic did penances that took many forms. For example, he would put small stones and pieces of wood in his bed to make it uncomfortable and then offer this sacrifice up to God. Don Bosco told him the best penance would be to perform all his duties with perfection and humility and to be of good cheer. Dominic adopted a new philosophy, namely, uh, if I can't do big things then I want everything to be for the glory of God. One of the most touching stories about Dominic happened as he was on his way to Mass one bitterly cold winter morning. One of those days when you pull your coat up around your chin to try to keep the cold away. Well, as he was going to church, there was a young boy standing outside, shivering, looking like he very much wanted to go in church, but was ashamed. Dominic talked to him, and he, he mentioned his torn pants and, and the way he was dressed and the fact that, that he couldn't go into church looking this way. Well, Dominic took off his coat real quickly, his big heavy coat that he was wearing, and told the boy to try it on. The young boy tried it on and said, Oh, it looks swell, doesn't it? Well, sure it does, answered Dominic. Let's go in. But the boy stopped, and he looked at Dominic without a coat and said, What about you? And Dominic just said, Well, let's go in. We're late. And he went in, even though the weather was freezing, and he was now without his coat. That was Dominic. A coat here, his lunch there, something else of his that was needed. What really mattered to Dominic was what somebody was in need well, he was prepared to help with whatever they might have, whatever they might need. He never mentioned what he did, but it was often observed by other people. Well, time passed, and the school year was over, and Dominic returned home. Everyone was anxious to hear about the big city. In fact, being from Turin made automatically uh, someone important, but that wasn't for Dominic. What little money he had acquired, he spent on holy cards and medals, bringing them home with him and giving them away when the local children could answer the catechism questions he would ask them. And he would even give them away if the children didn't answer correctly. And the summer passed, and Dominic was thrilled to be back in Turin at the oratory, where he was to be remembered for so many of his deeds, as recorded by Don Bosco. For example, there was a violent argument between two of the students who might have been considered from the upper class, and being of the upper class, one's honor must be defended by blood. Well, the boys were too young to duel with swords, so the next best thing, as was the custom of the time, was with stones. Just like a regular duel, they would start back to back take so many paces, then turn and hurl the rocks at the other. Dominic learned of the upcoming duel, and 
knew that it would be useless to tell Don Bosco because the boys would just change the location of the fight. However, Dominic interjected himself into the scheduled duel and said if they were really intent on fighting, he wouldn't stop them, but he had one condition. Well, they asked him what it was, and Dominic said that he would tell them when they got to the site of the duel. And once there, the boys had about five or six big jagged rocks, each in a pile, and when the duel would start, the stones would be thrown, and they could cause bloody and serious consequences. They reached their destinations, the duel was ready to start, a good-sized crowd had gathered, and then Dominic stepped up and said, wait a minute, I have a condition, remember. They looked at him sort of puzzled. They could see that Dominic had a piece of metal, and he quietly stepped exactly where the stones would fly between the two protagonists. He held up the metal object. It was a crucifix. And he told them, Here's the condition. You've got to throw the first stone at me and say, Christ died innocent and pardoned his enemies, but I want my revenge. The boy seemed shocked, and one said, But we don't have anything against you, and in fact I'd sock anybody who who hurt you. Dominic ignored that and went to the other boy and said, Then you go first. Well, the boys paused, and Dominic said something about how foolish it was to fight and, and made them shake hands, and the boys did. And then the three boys left the grounds with Dominic in the center and a duelist on each arm. In the summer of 1854, a cholera epidemic again broke out in Italy, and this time Turin was seriously affected. Many of the boys from the offertory assisted in one way or another helping the victims, and of course Dominic was right there. By this time, it was not unusual for him to be taken very seriously by Don Bosco. So one evening, Late at night, Dominic knocked on Don Bosco's door. Don Bosco had retired for the night and was asleep. But he got up, opened the door, and was surprised to see Dominic, who said to him, Come quickly and bring all you need to save a soul. Well, because it was Dominic, Don Bosco got dressed and wrote in his book about Dominic, I quote, I hesitated before going, but he insisted. End of quote. And then he wrote, too, he said that based on what he knew about Dominic, he knew that he had to go. Dominic led the priest through a labyrinth of streets and alleys in the dark of the night. Don Bosco had no idea where he was or where he was going, even though he was completely familiar with the city. He was now lost. However, Dominic appeared to know exactly where every turn was and in every direction that they needed to pass. They reached a rather plain house, and Dominic said to Don Bosco, They want you in there. And with that, they knocked on the door. A woman answered and, and seemed amazed to find a priest at the door. She said, A priest! God bless you, Father. You're just in time. She led the priest into a dark, dimly lit room in which a man lay dying. He had once been a Catholic, but had fallen away from the church, and now in his final moments wanted to go to confession and return to the faith. 
Don Bosco heard his confession, gave him absolution as the man died in his arms. Don Bosco said that even in the daylight, he could never have found that house, but somehow Dominic knew of the problem and led him there without missing a turn. That was not the first time Dominic had led the way to save a soul. Don Bosco would write in his book that he often asked Dominic about a problem that was in effect at the time, something that he needed an answer to, and Dominic's answers never failed to be exactly right. One day in 1856, Dominic sought out Don Bosco, telling him that he needed to go home because his mother was quite ill and that Our Lady wanted him to cure her. Don Bosco asked him, who told him she was sick? Did someone write you? And Dominic quietly said, no one wrote me, I just know. Well, based on his knowledge of Dominic, Don Bosco asked no more questions and gave him bus money for the trip. When he arrived home, his father said, Dominic, what are you doing here? And the boy said, I'm going to see mother, she's very sick. His mother was in a neighboring village with her mother. She was expecting another baby, and there were signs of serious complications, and she was suffering incredible pain. Going up to his mother's bedside, he put his arms around her neck and kissed her while placing a green scapular around her neck. And then he said, Now I can go back. And he returned to the oratory. From the moment Dominic placed the scapular around her neck, her condition improved and she felt no pain whatever and delivered a happy, healthy baby. Other expected mothers in the village also used that same green scapular with the same results. Dominic returned to the oratory, and as the days passed, the young Dominic seemed to have lost some of his vigor, but not his enthusiasm and he seemed paler than before. Don Bosco was known for his dreams, dreams about the future. But Dominic had, well, they were called distractions. And one morning he failed to show up for class, and then missed lunch as well. Very unusual. Don Bosco went looking for him and found him behind the altar. He called him by name, but there was no answer. He called him again, a little louder, and Dominic suddenly seemed aware of him and inquired if Mass was over. He was told it was two o'clock. His distraction lasted six hours. Another time, the priest was about to leave the sacristy when he heard Dominic's voice. He was talking to someone. He was asking questions, and then there were pauses as he appeared to be listening. Then Dominic was heard to say, Yes, my God, I have already said so, and I repeat it. I love you, and will do so until the day I die. And the priest looked around and could see no one to whom he was speaking. Dominic would lapse into these ecstasies more and more, and Don Bosco was aware that Dominic was now appearing to be more pale and weak and feared for his health, telling the young boy that he must return home for rest, to which Dominic said that he wanted to die at the oratory, but accepted that he must return home to his father and mother. And when he returned home, he told his mother that he had come home to die. 
One evening, his father was sitting with him, and Dominic grew very excited while laying in bed. He raised up as though looking at something wonderful. He said, look, Dad, pointing upward, can you see the wonderful, the beautiful? And he stretched out his arms upward for a moment, and then they fell quietly to his side as as surely a multitude of angels carried his spotless soul to heaven. He was just fourteen and a half years old. One night about a month after Dominic's death, his father had retired for the evening and was looking upward before he went to sleep when he noticed a faint glow in the ceiling that expanded to a brilliant light, and in the center of that brilliance he saw a vision of Dominic. His father said, Dominic, is that you? And Dominic answered him, Yes, Dad, I'm in heaven. His father told him to pray for his family, and smiling, Dominic assured him he would as the vision slowly disappeared from view. Well, miracles after miracles started being attributed to the intercession of little Dominic Savio. And on the June 12th of 1954, Dominic's name was officially entered in the Book of Saints by Pope Pius XII for a life of heroic virtue and holiness. In the topsy-turvy world of today, perhaps it's well to pause a moment and think about the life of Saint Dominic Savio. He proved that you don't have to move mountains, but by putting God first, you can do even more to change the landscape of the world in which we live. What was the phrase? A little child shall lead them, and certainly all of us too. This is Tom Shrewsbury with Reflections for the Covenant Network.